Hey folks, Joyce Vance here. There is big news surrounding the COVID-19 pandemic this week. In an effort to promote vaccinations, the federal government and some state and local governments are instituting vaccine mandates. Meanwhile, the Center for Disease Control recently issued a new federal eviction moratorium, but a group of realtors and landlords are already challenging the moratorium in the Supreme Court. In other news, prosecutors in New York charged Ken Curson, Jared Kushner's close friend and a Trump pardon recipient, with two counts of cyber-stalking his ex-wife. Preet Bharara and I discuss all this and more on the Cafe Insider podcast. Today, we're sharing a clip from the episode with listeners of Stay Tuned. To hear our full conversation and access all other Cafe Insider content, try the membership free for two weeks. You can do that at cafe.com slash insider. That's cafe.com slash insider. And for a limited time, use the code JOYCE for 50% off the annual membership price. We look forward to having you as a part of the insider community. Let's talk about freedom. So you see all these people running around protesting either the mask mandates in certain places, whether they're imposed by the government or imposed by the local 7-Eleven or whatever the case may be. And also what is going to be, I think, a slew of vaccine mandates. And by mandate, we, we generally mean people are not going to come to your home and hold you down and vaccinate you, but it's a condition of employment or a condition of participating in some public event. Like I've said many times, I couldn't go to the Springsteen show on Broadway without showing proof of vaccination. And one reason that's going to increase a lot is that yesterday, Monday, August 23rd, we finally got full approval for at least the Pfizer vaccine. And just to set it up further and then throw it to you, Joyce, some people had been making the argument, well, how can we possibly be required to get vaccinated when all of these vaccines are still under the emergency use authorization? That argument has been taken away from a lot of people. And that argument actually is one of the ones that's been put forward in various lawsuits trying to resist the vaccine mandate. So I thought we'd, we'd take a step back, you and me, a couple of lawyers, and talk about what freedom really means and maybe go back to the Constitution, shall we? The Constitution in all yeah. of this? When, when my personal <laughs> liberty not to vaccinate so I can infect other people is at stake? Do you have that liberty? You know, this is such a perversion of constitutional privileges, and I'm glad you wanted to talk about this this week, because this is an issue we see come up in a lot of places, right? It also comes up in religious freedom. How far does my religious freedom extend versus your other constitutional rights? But here we see it in this very stark context, because what we're talking about is whether I have the ability to infect other people with a deadly disease. And what the power of the government, and we'll have to draw a distinction between the state governments and the federal government to engage in some policymaking on this. You know, the old phrase that I probably heard the first time in law school, but maybe it was college, is the liberty of your fist is constrained by the proximity of my chin, right? So fine, you want to, you know, shadow box, that's fine. But if I'm near you and your arm can reach my face, then it's not freedom to be able to move your fist however you want to move your fist. I know that's a crude analogy to this, but let's just let's go back to the Tenth Amendment of the Constitution, which doesn't get a lot of attention. It says what? Quote, the powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people, end quote. Now, 
What does that mean? It seems very broad and vague. But one of the things it means, as you learn in law school, and I think is relevant now, is that states have something called a police power, which is something that allows states to provide for the general welfare of the people as it relates to public health, public morals, public safety, that kind of thing. Now, it doesn't mean the state can do anything in favor of public health or public safety, but it can do a lot of things. And there have been cases all the way up to the Supreme Court specifically on this narrow question of whether a state in the union can require a vaccine. Shall we talk about those? Well, we should, because the case law is, as you say, well-established. It's a Supreme Court precedent. It's been in place for over 100 years. It's a case called Jacobson versus Massachusetts. And it seems quite uh, clear and quite applicable to the situation that we're in. A Massachusetts law permitted cities to require residents to be vaccinated against smallpox, a, a very deadly disease. And so Mr. Jacobson refused to comply with the requirement of the law, and he was fined. He was fined $5, essentially a criminal penalty. That's a lot of money in 1905. Well, it was, right? Different era. And this notion, I mean, when you think about it in, in the context of the argument people today are making about having their liberty denied, what if, say, a city set out to fine them because they refused to get vaccinated? You know, there would be public uproar. We can talk about that in a second, but the law itself is pretty clear. The issue in Jacobson is whether the mandatory vaccination law violated Jacobson's 14th Amendment rights to life and liberty. And the court clearly held that it did not, that it was a legitimate exercise of police power to mandate vaccination. So, to cut to the chase, the law here says that if state governments or units of government want to impose vaccine mandates, they can. I mean, reading directly from this 1905 case, Jacobson v. Massachusetts, this is just important. So for, for folks who are having arguments with their friends and neighbors and family members, just tell them this. Quote, the liberty secured by the Constitution of the United States does not import an absolute right in each person to be at all times and in all circumstances, wholly freed from restraint. And goes on to say, quote, it is within the police power of a state to enact a compulsory vaccination law, end quote. And so that court held that the statute in question that imposed a fine for not taking a smallpox vaccination was not invalid because it didn't violate any rights of any person under the 14th Amendment. Can it get any more clear than that with respect to this narrow question? You know, and, and the interesting thing is this is an old case, so I'm sure that we'll hear, well, that's an old case, and it was smallpox. But analytically, and, and the language that you read from the case, I don't think that there's any question, but that vaccine mandates can be imposed. There's another case, so it's not like there's just one, Zucked v. King in 1922, the majority opinion written by Justice Brandeis, that referred back to Jacobson and basically says the same thing. Right. It calls it settled law. I mean, I think that I keep saying this over and over, but it's so rare that a proposition is so firmly established that it can't really be controverted. This is the case here, though. And the principle in Zucht, when you combine it with Jacobson, and we should say that Zucht is a San Antonio, Texas case that involved excluding students from public and private school if they weren't vaccinated, again, against smallpox. And the challenger in the case argued that it violated her 14th Amendment rights. So that, again, is an echo of Jacobson. Justice Brandeis wrote, 
Long before this suit was instituted and he was writing in 1922, Jacobson versus Massachusetts had settled that it is within the police power of a state to provide for compulsory vaccinations. And of course, that's the vaccines that we all get for our kids and that we all ourselves got before we go to school. And it's never been controversial until suddenly now it is. Did you get did you get smallpox, Joyce? No, I didn't get the disease because I was vaccinated against yes, smallpox. And I don't remember. I mean, as a as a child, we all got vaccinated. And I don't remember there being an uproar. And people keep forgetting that, you know, you have a number of kids, I have a number of kids. They wouldn't be permitted in public school without not just vaccination, but proof of vaccination. That's been true for a long time. So this vaccination with respect to COVID has been highly politicized for various reasons. We should be clear, you know, there, there are three different groups that can take action we should talk about, and the law is not the same with respect to all of them. So what we've been talking about so far with respect to these two Supreme Court cases is what states can do. There's also the question of what the federal government can do, what Joe Biden, the current president, can do. And then there's third, the question of what private institutions can do, stores, shops, theaters, stadiums. With respect to what the federal government can do, you know, in the same way that there's not you know, complete freedom on the part of individuals, so we can have an orderly, safe society, there's not complete ability of the federal government to engage in some of these things. So, so if Joe Biden said tomorrow, Joyce, I'm going to pretend this is a law exam. If Joe Biden said tomorrow, everyone in the country must be vaccinated or be deprived of some privilege or he issued an executive order, is that constitutional? So he can arguably do that, but he would undoubtedly have problems if he did. There's some possible sort of rationales for this, theoretically possible under something called the Public Health Service Act, where the CDC could take action for public health purposes. But whether or not it would be effective is, is questionable. There would be a lot of public resistance and a lot of uh, possible issues. What there's better authority for the federal government to do would be to use the Constitution spending clause and provide incentives for states to enact mandates. So can the federal government do it? I suppose that question has never been determined with finality, like Jacobson determines the state issue. Nonetheless, it doesn't look like the best strategy for the federal government to take right now. So again, even with the federal government, there are multiple constituencies. There's the general public, over which, as you say, there would be legal issues and problems and fights and complications in imposing a vaccine mandate. But the federal government also has employees. They include the military, they include the Department of Justice and various other employees. And with respect to them, not an issue to impose a vaccine mandate. And with respect to the military is in particular, for purposes of military readiness, I think it's very clear that as a legal matter, the military can impose such a mandate. Agreed? Yeah, particularly now with the um, full approval for at least one of the vaccines, the military's ability to require this vaccine becomes very clear. They routinely, you know, uh, require an entire cocktail of shots for military recruits. That's not something that's particularly disputable. And although there have been some holdouts in the military, that has, for the most part, been a result of the temporary approval for the vaccine, the emergency use of the vaccine. For federal employees, and, and we should add that for federal contractors as well, the vaccine will be required. And that will 
cut a pretty broad swath of people, particularly in areas that have been under-vaccinated. But Preet, I saw some polling yesterday that I think is interesting to consider in this context. It's the, the USA Today Ipsos poll. It says that while 72% of the country favors mask mandates, 61% would require vaccines as long as they came with medical and religious exemptions. And that suggests to me that we may be at a point in this country where it's now increasingly possible to impose vaccine mandates, if not a nationwide one, then these vaccines for large segments, for instance, of the federal workforce, without the sort of opposition that had surfaced early on to vaccination. Yeah, I think that's right. And you can see, as a matter of common sense, for the military, why you would want to be able to impose such a mandate. Right now we have, you know, a very fraught and dangerous hasty airlift out of Kabul, right? And you have, you know, teams of American service people who are trying to get folks out of there on choppers and planes. Last thing you need is for someone in a tight-knit group, a crew of, a, of an airplane, to suddenly test positive for coronavirus and not have the most protection possible and thereby grounding one or more airplanes. So it's common sense, it's legally allowable, and I think all the hullabaloo is a little silly. We should also just make clear, Joyce, that there are limitations to this police power also. It's not like in any circumstance the state can do anything it wants, even in the context that we're talking about. And so there's, there's a case called Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn versus Cuomo in that case, the Supreme Court ruled late last year that New York's severe coronavirus restrictions on attendance at religious services violated the First Amendment's free exercise clause. So coming at it Thanks for listening. To hear the full episode, head to cafe.com slash insider and try out the membership free for two weeks. And for a limited time, use the code JOYCE for 50% off the annual membership price. That's cafe.com slash insider. And to the many of you who've chosen to join the insider community, thank you for supporting our work. <laughs>